Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky this is the united soccer coaches podcast it is presented by league apps and i'm happy to be with you and i'm happy to be with all four of our guests we'll kick things off with marcia harper who's the head coach of the american university soccer team it's women's history month she kicks it off. She's also part of the new governance for the black soccer coaches community. You've heard me talk a lot about that, and I'm proud to do it. I hope you're enjoying that. I certainly am. Marsha Harper kicks off the show. Then we hear the story of Steve McCrath, a national champion winning head coach down at Barry University, living in the sun of Florida, and God called him to Wheaton, D3 in Illinois. He and his family of three kids and his wife, that's where they are now. A lot of history there where Coach Bean and his legendary dad, Cliff McCrath, as well. It's a it's an inspiring message from Steve McCrath. I hope that uh, you enjoy listening to it. Dewan Bader is a man who played at NC State, was part of a club that merged with NCFC Youth. He was a pro coach, went back into coaching youth, wants to be a pro coach again, so he's headed to Wilmington to make that happen. He'll talk about his path, Dewan Bader, and then we'll end meeting another 30 under 30 member. I think you'll enjoy meeting our man from Oregon, Chris Daniel. That's our show, and it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, League Apps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. I'm so pleased to be kicking off the show with the head coach of American University, Marsha Harper, who is also part of the new governance for the Black Soccer Coaches community, which is awesome. And she's been on the show before. Great to see her again. Marsha, welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Uh, what an honor to be back. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm just thrilled that you'd welcome me back and I wasn't kicked off, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, not only are you back, you're my leadoff guest because... Okay. Of, yeah, I mean, I'm still flying high from that Saturday night at the convention where I, you know, there's so many different things that happened that led me to that event on Saturday night. And then when I got there to feel the power in the room... Can you share with me if you felt the same thing on that Saturday night, coach? Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's one thing 
to have that sort of event. And then even, I think that was the first time that we had our award reception in a ballroom, right? So we were even concerned if we were going to be able to fill the capacity, but it was, I mean, you're, we're almost standing shoulder to shoulder. So to walk in and see that was awesome, right? Just the visual of seeing the amount of bodies in the room, but also just the collection of faces, regardless of the shade, right? I thought that was super powerful. So just the fact that people showed up and then showed out, I mean, we were cutting a rug on the dance floor, you know, (laughs) so yeah, yeah. the energy was there, but I feel like it's still there. You know, it's three months later and I feel like we're still there. Am I wrong about that? No, absolutely. I think about, you know, often, you know, whether it was the speeches or just even the awards themselves, watching some of the clips that were played and the speech from the recipients, but also the speeches introducing those recipients um, and just being in good fellowship with one another, right? And, and all of the coaches in the room. And then you think about the mass of influence that they've had on the game, let alone everyone in that room. So that was, it, it's still very much palpable, I would say. It was pretty cool because my wife was with me as well. And she's never seen me like that, where I was so moved, you know, in the early nineties, I used to hang out with Lincoln. He would be with the national team when I was with the national team. And then, you know, I got to know Kadani when he was at Southern Cal, I've known Mike Curry for such a long time. And then to be in the setting where we're recognizing that greatness, it's kind of my, my hope that we don't have to put the word black in front. I mean, I feel like there's enough. Yeah. Momentum, yeah. There's enough momentum coach where there's so many great coaches of color right now. It's, it's, it's really inspiring. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, just like you in that, in that room, in that moment, it was for me, for me personally to see and, and hear the stories about Lauren Donaldson, right. He, yeah, he's the reason I, I give him all the flowers, so to speak, because he's a, one of, if not the biggest reason why I am where I am, right? Like, obviously I wasn't on the national team. Okay. So maybe he didn't do something right there. Uh, But no, just the influence that that man alone has had on my life, right. To put me in a position to get seen by the university of Florida and then go to college and have the career that I did. And then now propelled me into my professional career. I felt, you know, a certain way about Lauren, but it was really cool to see him get his flowers in that moment. But of course, him being who he is, he was off doing, you know, other soccer things with Jamaica, right? So that for me, just in that moment, personally was awesome just to see the impact that he's had, which I I know and have felt, but then to see that times, you know, 12, right? With all the award recipients was was really cool. And I myself have, have heard stories about people, but to physically see them, is a whole different thing. And that, that might be some of what you and I both felt, right? Is we, we hear these stories and and we, we might see or, or try and understand what they do. But then when you you're able to see them walk on that stage and just themselves be overcome with gratitude and just emotion is another thing, right? It's, it is very moving. Like you, like you mentioned. I'm so glad, Marsha, that you reminded me that you were coached by Lorne. You know, I yeah. started at the Colorado Rapids in 1996. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm not going to hold that against you. <laughs> and Lorne that was, was a rival. Oh, really? Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, but Lorne was around then doing yeah. good things. And I mean, the guy looks like he hasn't aged a day. And I, One think, day. Because, I think it's because of the, like what I felt in that room, the love in his heart. I think that keeps yeah. you young. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, absolutely. I can, I still remember to this day, you know, driving up to practice, getting out of my car, getting ready to walk up to practice. And Lauren has his one leg out of his car, listening, blasting Jamaican music. <laughs> hey, Marsha. I'm like, Hey, I already knew it's just contagious, right? His energy. And then once he gets on the soccer field, he's about his business, but also, you know, he's there to have a good time, but also that the man like loves you, loves every single one of his players. And what, I mean, he oversees the girls and the boys side, right? So if you think about that times how many teams that Real has now, it's like, it is crazy. Every, I obviously am recruiting now. Obviously I go to the Real games, right? When I walk up to get a pamphlet and I, I do tell, oh, yeah, I play, I played at Real. And they're like, did you, was Lauren around? That's like one of the first things that people say. I'm like, of course. And yeah. every single person that I talk to, oh man, we love them. I'm like, I know. I got to get him on as well because, you know, I've, I've had Hugh on. In fact, Hugh was on just yeah, I think, right. last week. Yeah. And Hugh reached out to me. He's like, Dean, you know, I felt your emotion at that event. And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, I, I want to do more. And he's like, yeah, maybe we've been, you know, in the shadows too long, you know, just kind of doing our thing. Maybe it is time to be recognized. And I'm glad that he said it that way. You know, it is time to step out. Do you agree with that sentiment from Hugh? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think it's, um, it bodes to what you're saying before, right? Like we, we want to be able to say coach and not black coach. Right. And I think people like Hugh and Lauren and Nicole, all, all of these people, right. Have done so much. And it is important that we continue to pay homage to them and we hear their stories and that the younger generations too, even younger than, than I, right. Hear those stories and understand where, how far we've come and also where we're headed and the fact that there's some good coaches out there being able to see them and thinking, okay, maybe I can do that same thing too. Right. So yeah, I, I'm on board. All right. We're kicking off the show with Marsha Harper. And I think this is women's history month as well. So it I is, love the yeah. Fact that, yeah, I love the fact that uh, you're a woman as well. And you're a woman of power is the way I want to say it. I don't want to say oh, it. Thank you. That's how I want to say it. Yeah. And, and I like the fact that the way I understand the story so when I first got to the convention, one of the first people I met was Andrew Richardson. He came up to me and yeah. first of all, the guy is so good looking. It's ridiculous, <laughs> right? So you know, once you get past that, he says, you know, hey, I'm replacing Nicole. And I'm like, I didn't know that. And I've formed a great relationship with Nicole. Yeah. It makes sense that, you know, she's going to go on to do great things. But as I've had Andrew on and as I've had Sammy on and Hugh on, you know, they've all said that what Nicole did took five people. So Absolutely. putting, yeah, putting this governance together, it was so important, you know, and they did say that the two that were, they really wanted to get were you and Maya. And I, I heard it took a little bit longer and I, <laughs> and I know you're busy, Marsha, but, you know, just talk about, you know, the process of deciding to take on this governance, because it's a big and important job, particularly with what I feel yeah. is real momentum. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they, they still give me a hard time about it, but, um, you know, I, I have always, um, well, I shouldn't say always with over the last, I would say probably three years is when I got, um, really kind of dove into, you know, being a part of the black soccer coaches, uh, group and trying to do more and, and just support the group as much as I could. And in saying that I will always, always hopped on the zooms and went to the meetings as much as I could, but obviously being a head coach is a lot right? It has its moments. So knowing that 
whenever I put my name on something like most people, like I want to make sure that I'm able to give 100%, right? Like I am one of those people. So I was a little hesitant, you know, to do it because I didn't think that for what it requires that I had the capacity to serve in the way that I should. So that was really the biggest reason why it took me a little bit longer, but yeah, Andrew likes to say that he tried to recruit Maya and I, which he did for sure. He put on a really good pitch. Um, and I, I do pull his leg and say that I helped them recruit Maya, right? Because we were standing, I was standing right next to her. Um, <laughs> it's something I wanted to do. Um, and I and I knew that I would always wanted to help serve. It's just a matter of at what capacity could I do that? And Andrew, uh, Sammy, Mario, the, those three guys, and obviously Nicole was always whispering in my ear, right? They said like, listen, we want you in whatever capacity we can get you. So I was like, oh, well then absolutely. You know, I'm here. That is my mission. I feel the same reason why I am a coach, why I got into coaching is I feel like soccer has propelled my life in a way that I had never, could never have imagined. Right. And I think that I've been really blessed to be around such great people like Lauren, obviously played for Becky um, and Denise and just I know that I have had a lot of things and been around a lot of people that are, you know, people would pay to be around, right? So for me, it's it's an easy decision. I feel like I need to give back. That's what I try and do as much as I can. And if someone wants to listen to me, then of course, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try and give advice or, you know, whatever I can do to help. So that's the only reason why it took me a little bit longer um, was just because I wanted to serve, but I, I knew that it, like you said, it, and I think it was Sammy, right, that said, I was listening to it, said, Nicole, the work that she was doing, I mean, was so important, but so, like, just enormous, right? You can't even put a number on it. Five people, maybe five, right? <laughs> yeah. Five to 10, a committee, a whole committee's worth of work that she was doing. We wanted to make sure that we could continue to, to kind of push the needle in the same token that she did. And if I could help be a part of that, then they made it really easy for me. And I think Andrew's vision too is, is really powerful, very well organized. I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's on top of like everything. So that also was really easy for me to get behind. Right. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do it. And I know Maya is too. So yeah, happy to be involved. Well, we'll have Mario on next week and then Maya the following week. And like I said, we're just going to keep the truck right on moving as we're here with Marsha Harper, who's part of the governance with the Black Soccer Coaches community, which is totally awesome. And as you said, you know, you gave flowers out to Nicole Hercules. Thanks for doing that so eloquently as well, Marsha. I do appreciate that. Let's get caught up quick on how things are going at American University. We're so proud of you being a head coach at American, such a great institution as well. Talk about how much you're enjoying it and how you're looking forward to the fall. It's been a process, um, you know, just being a first time head coach in general um, has been for sure a learning curve. Um, and again, like I mentioned, I've been blessed to be around so many awesome people. And one, Kidani, I've leaned a lot on Kidani um, and Kia even, I call her, text her often. Um, and, you know, when I first got the job at American, I saw, I was at a recruiting event. I saw Kia and I was like, help. <laughs> <laughs> so she went to dinner with me and, you know, kind of told me how, how she laid things out. Um, and that gave me a little bit of a framework um, to work off of. And, you know, I, I am a big person of, I believe, just leaning on people, right? Like trying not to invent the wheel so much, but like saying like, hey, how'd you do this? Right. Okay. Let me see if I can take a little bit of that here. Um, but 
No, American has been, it's, it's my baby, right? So um, it, it's been, it's an awesome institution, obviously in, in a great city. And um, I'm really fortunate to work with the people that I'm around too. So that makes life a lot easier. And let alone my student athletes. I mean, man, they are, they're my last um, meeting on my, on my interview. Uh, I met with two of the student athletes, you know, who I eventually be coaching and, you know, I felt, I felt like I was getting grilled. Okay. I felt like I was sitting in the middle of a room and it was black around and the spotlight was only on me. Right. And they were just grilling me, but the questions that they were asking, I mean, they were, it was so intentional, so thoughtful, the way that they were able to articulate what their, their needs were and what they were hoping to do. It was a no brainer for me to join um, this institution. And I like to say that, uh, you know, I am happy with the women in my program because I feel like I can lead from the back, right? Like they are so passionate, so driven that uh, they're rearing their heads. Like we want this, we're going to try and do this. And, and our job obviously as coaches, right, is if they look like they're veering off the path a little bit is to kind of corral them back and, you know, kind of push them from behind in that way. So um, it's, it's been, it's been a journey for sure, but, you know, we've started to see a lot of momentum, which we're really excited about. Um, and, I think this year could be another exciting year for us. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what the cards hold for us. All right. It's Women's History Month. We're kicking off the show with Marsha Harper, who's the head coach of American University. And, you know, Marsha, as, as I continue to be, you know, for lack of a better word, levitated and inspired and yeah. just wanting to make a difference after that Saturday night, I, I do need to, like, sometimes remember that I, I can't be naive because I know that, we still don't live in a perfect country, a perfect society, you know, and sure. not every day is perfect. And so by not being naive, you know, tell me how you deal with racism when it's still there. Like, for instance, even as a coach, maybe a referee yeah. doesn't treat you right. I, I'm, I'm assuming that just hasn't gone away just because I had a great Saturday night, right? It's still there, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I think it it is present in, in sometimes more obvious ways or and sometimes not, right? Like sometimes subtle ways. Um, and you know, I've certainly had to navigate that throughout my whole life, certainly my coaching career right now in this current day. I've had moments where, you know, referees there used to be where we had to hand our sheets, you know, who our starting lineup was, um, to the referees. You don't have to do that anymore. But when we did, there are several times that refs would go up to my assistants, right? And my assistants would point and be like, oh, no, the head coach is over there, right? So yeah. little little moments like that. It happens on the recruiting trail. Often, you know, people will ask um, if I'm with my assistant, they'll, they'll ask, are you assistant coach or head coach? And he'll say assistant. And they look at me and they say assistant coach or head coach. And I say head coach. And they go, wow, good for you, right? Yeah. And then they immediately catch themselves because they're like, oh, that might have been offensive, yeah. <laughs> right? Um but yeah, there's there's different moments and there's obviously some more more um, in your face abrasive moments too. But with that being said, it's a, it's another reason why I continue to try and be an advocate and hop on um, you know different committees. Um, I'm, I'm on our, our conference anti-racism committee um, to try and push the notion there as well. Um, and I, and I do want to give kudos to our conference because I think that we're doing a lot of good work, within our conference alone, we, we have four different committees, subcommittees um, that we're trying to push work just within the Patriot League itself, right? Um, so there, there's, it's definitely still there. Um, and I think, you know, just like P 
people were doing in the past and in, in, in pushing for, you know, continued evolution amongst diversity and amongst equity and inclusion. I think that's just our job now, right? Um, and so I, I appreciate you even saying that and, and having this um, kind of moment with yourself where you're thinking, wow, I want to do more, right? Um, so I, I, you're not alone. I'm there too. So I think that, that that shows no color, right? Like that is everybody if you have that in your heart. Well, and finally, let's end with this because I feel like, you know, again, the Saturday night was Saturday night, but I feel like the whole week where we saw more black coaches running big sessions, running yeah. big panels. And so I feel like United soccer coaches, not just because they have the black soccer coaches community, but as an entity is saying arms wide open. Are you feeling that? Yeah, I think um, just providing a platform um, is, you know, super important. And I, I feel like we, we've definitely had that, had room for that. Um, and even the people within our um, committee and Nicole, for sure, man, she's, she's pushed to get us in more of those rooms, right? So I think it's one, one thing, it's kind of, it's a partnership really, right? Like you have someone like Nicole who is pushing for us knocking on doors. Hey, let, can we add another session? How about another session? How about another session? Right? So she was asking and pushing, but it's another thing for the United soccer coaches to say, yeah, okay. Yes. Yes. There's a, there's a desire there and there's talent there. Right. So let's go ahead and, and provide that. And then those have been some of the most well-attended um, sessions. So one would hope that we would continue to get even more sessions. Right. So um, yeah, I, I think it's been a lovely partnership that that I know that our, our group is really excited about continuing to foster. Um, and that that goes across all groups and committees too. You know, I think that's one thing that that we saw on that Saturday night was there were several different communities, literal communities and philosophical communities, if you will, in that room, right? So um I think partnership and, and unity and cohesion is a is another thing. And I, I'm happy to be a part of that and, and happy to have someone like you that's helping to push the needle there. Well, it's my pleasure. And it's uh, just so great to see you again, Marsha, and really Likewise. proud of you for stepping up to join Andrew and keep the, like you said, keep the needle moving. And thank you so much for what you're doing. And thank you so much for uh, being our lead off guest on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. It's great to see you again, Marsha. Likewise. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. She was outstanding, and we're just getting rolling. When we return, we'll visit with Steve McCrath, who won a national championship at Barry. He went to another national championship game. He had all kinds of great success. He may have won a couple. I'm not even sure. He's was so fantastic down there. Of course, he's also the son of a legend of the association, Cliff McCrath, a legend in soccer, Cliff McCrath. It's Steve McCrath who left Barry to go to D3 and Wheaton in Illinois. We'll hear his story. He was called to do it, and he talks about the devotion it took to take the step. I think you'll like it, and it'll come after these messages. Introducing the first ever CoachCon, presented by Soccer.com in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, August 11th through the 13th. Register now to experience distinct coaching education from top-level professionals and earn a special topics diploma in game analysis or organizational leadership. Spots are extremely limited. Register today at unitedsoccercoaches.org slash coachcon. 
Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Lee Gaps Evergreen Material here on Podcast Row as part of our coverage of the Philadelphia Convention for United Soccer Coaches. Always a pleasure to be joined by Steve McCrath, who won a D2 championship, lost one in the final as well at Barry, and then heads to the Midwest, leaves Miami to head to Illinois. He's now at Wheaton D3. And Steve, I wanted to talk to you about that move. First of all, I want to say hello. It's always great to see you. <laughs> you You're a pretty handsome guy, man. Good to see you for sure. So talk to me. It was a fascinating move. What, what went into that? Yeah, it's a, it'll it's a, probably be a longer story. The easier one to say is like, I guess it's a call from Christ. It's like, where's my heart? What What is I want to do? I've been at Barry 24 years, and it was a great experience, and, and I wanted to turn Barry into a, a national power. It wasn't when I got there, and I wanted to make sure it was always left in really good order. And fortunately, it was. I mean, everybody that we signed before I left, they went to the Final Four this year. So who's, who's to say that if I led them, we would have won it or not even gotten there? But the fact is that the staff did a really great job with them. But in all of that, it's kind of like... You don't have to be weird to make a decision like this, but sometimes following Christ, you, you get a little crazy because you realize there's some things you have to do that he just says, hey, this is what I'm asking you to do. The same way when a parent or a coach asks you something, it's like when there's friction, generally it just takes longer and there's a lot of problems. But if you just trust and say, you know what, that person has my best interests. In that regard, I realized my wife and I prayed about it a lot when the opportunity came, they pursued. And it was one of those very, very, it was the hardest decision I've ever made because now I've got family. I'm not single. I'm not traipsing across the country to take a new job. And uh, yeah, at that point it was, she just said, what are we holding on to? And at that moment I was released to say, okay. And so that's, that's how the quick version was that when they pursued, it was just the right time to go. Now, if I know the McCrath story right, you're Northwest, right? Pacific yeah. Northwest, and then you're Miami, yeah. and this is a whole different world in Illinois. I'm from Ohio, right? So, <laughs> how have you acclimated? Horrible, uh, horribly. <laughs> yeah, I've. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it is. It is one of the humor humor sides. I, I told the guys that uh, one of the days it, it, the weather in the fall started to kind of turn, and I said at the end of the practice we had a really good session too, so we were all kind of buzzing, and the season was starting to turn really well. And uh, I said, by the way, I've got, uh, I've got it in my contract that when the weather turns crappy, I'm out of here. <laughs> so they all kind of looked at me. But I think we're adjusting. I mean, I have had small bouts. I was, I was born in Michigan. So, but okay. I, I really was. I was probably three years old when I was, by the time I got to Seattle. And then I had one bout at, uh, in Milwaukee for a season at Pro Indoor. But, yeah, I'm inexperienced. And my wife is inexperienced with the cold cold so we're, we're dealing with it but we're, we're having a fun time creating fun times but yeah it's new it's just a, it, it's a new ground it's deep but can you put into words how and what you mean by saying god called me to wheaton yeah good question okay um i guess going back to the making it like for a layman's example when you have a good relationship with your parent or your coach there are some times where they give you a look and there are some times where you just you get to know them so well that it's, there's a subtlety and there's not something direct. It's just, I know what it is what my mom or my dad expects. Or I know what it is what my coach is expecting of me. And then maybe a subject is broached. So when they called from Wheaton, I said simply, you know, I, I appreciate the call. I don't see it happening. It was the, truly the first words out of my mouth. But I said, I want to be faithful. So like if you read scripture, it's really easy to see that there are so many times where people choose not to follow what was asked of them and it just it, for a better term it just all hell breaks loose for them 
sometimes there's some recovery and some of them there is no recovery for it and i just didn't want to be that if i got thrown into one of the books of the bible that guy wasn't faithful to so i went through the entire process and said, i will go through this with an open mind through that there were some things i had some devotionals they all came about certain characters so whether this hits a nail for you that relevant but there's moses there's abraham joseph who was thrown in jail david ultimately becomes king of Israel. But all of them had to wait. But in all their stories, if you read it, I mean, you can spend most of the time reading about them in the book of Genesis, you know, the three of the people, David's in, in Samuel, First and Second Samuel. But when you read them, so the, these devotionals keep coming to me. And when you read them, you realize that they all made these commitments, whether it was by their choice or not by their choice, but every one of them just chose to make a commitment. What it doesn't tell you in there is, what it was like after they made their commitment. It doesn't tell you like Abraham, he picked up his stuff, moved to a new country that he's supposed to go to. It doesn't tell you the actual difficulties of picking up his tent, collecting all his family, all his possessions, all the things that come with it. Doesn't does not give you really the, the, the guidelines of that. Moses sits in the desert for 40 years, but it doesn't really tell you what was going on in those 40 years. It just says he's there for 40 years, but you don't know if he's having doubts and all that kind of stuff. Joseph, same thing, he finds favor at these places, he's been sold into slavery, thrown into jail, but it doesn't tell you that he found favor within 24 hours. It, was it six months he had to wait? So it's like, but as people, we get impressed upon our hearts or our minds, like something is stirring, but we can't put a finger on it. And I think I was starting to stir prior to all that anyway. And even after winning the national championship, it was just like, I'm not sure if this is where I'm supposed to stay, but I had some things presented to me, other options, even Division One opportunities, and then, but none of them actually came to pass for whatever reason. I couldn't figure it out why. But then this came, and I realized, okay, I got to look at it. So I don't know if that helps explain it. It does, but I am fascinated by the notion, and I thank you for sharing your faith, which is an important part of your message. But like, how did Wheaton find you? Like, what? that's the part that, I mean. Ah, uh, okay. Well, all right, so this isn't the reason why I ended up there, but it is a baseline. So my mom and dad actually went to Wheaton okay. and met there. Joe Bean is a long stalwart okay. in the game. Dad and Joe met each other when dad was coaching in Gordon in Massachusetts. Okay, and Joe so there's that Olympia. tie, yes. So Joe's sons, he has two daughters and two sons. The two daughters are my sister's age, a little older. And the two sons are li- truly my age and maybe just a year or so younger. And the youngest was so my first assistant there. coach. We've been okay. friends. I've known them probably since I was seven years old myself. But, but dad and, and Joe have been tight, tight, tight for 50-plus years. That's the connection. But then Joe kind of impressed upon the AD to call. There she you wasn't go. sure. She goes, well, he's been down there a long time. And then Joe kind of talked to my dad. And Joe, dad was kind of like shuffling along. Hey, I've got something I want to. And I don't know. I don't know if anybody was ultimately really comfortable just to bluntly come out and ask. Yeah. Probably because they all know I hate the cold. Right. You know? Yeah. And, uh, but it, it just ended up being one of those things that those were the fine print pieces. Okay. But the reason why I went was, uh, in fact, I told that. I told that to Joe and, he, and, and my dad, and they were great about it. I just said, I hope you don't take offense to this, but you have nothing to do with my decision. Because if I did, you know, I'm playing in Joe Bean Stadium. Joe was there 38 years. My dad's got, had a, you know, incredibly long career and played there and became an All-American. He actually coached there. I'm in the office. It's called the Bob Baptiste, Bob and Martha Baptista office. Bob was my dad's coach. Wow. And my dad was a hockey guy that would, went out for the team on a dare. I mean, it's like my dad's in the game and he is who he is because a guy dared him to go out and it was his roommate. And you know, it's like all these little pieces of history, but it's just one of those things. They're not coincidences. It's like you can kind of see how God networks things. Sometimes you just have to be faithful instead of like, 
I've got to do it my way, you realize it's okay to be led. Yes. Mm -hmm. But in that process, that was the nugget that probably unlocked the door that then the story started to spiral and then the process took its, its, its way. And well, and that makes sense because I do feel like in some ways God kind of wants you to go home and home can mean different things. Mm -hmm. and based on what you just said, home means the connection to your dad and the family and the beans and everything. Mm -hmm. That's home, is it not? For me, no, okay. but uh, there's a hominess to it, yes, because I've visited so many times through my years. I've done camps. I, I did soccer camps there. I've, I've known a lot of the, the players. There's guys that have, have this long-running. Wheaton has a really rich, deep alumni, incredible guys. Yeah. And, and again, like anything, I mean, I've been afforded. I say this all the time, especially at the convention. I say it all the time that, you know, my dad being such a stalwart in the game and Hall of Famer and this and that and – you know, it's not easy to be a sibling, or, you know, a, a son or daughter coming up in a profession of your parents. And depending on how your parent is, you know, if he was a, a jerker, you know, if he was a jerker, you know, pretty unkind person, it may have made my role pretty hard. I think I've been granted so much access to people because of my dad. And it was my relationship then to destroy. But the doors were generally open for me because of what my dad did, and I know that. So Wheaton was the same. Those guys have all welcomed me in as if I was always a Wheaton person. The community of people, we had people stay at our house when I was a kid. They're Wheaton guys. The history runs long enough for me that there's actually a really neat community. And I've had guys, we send out newsletters, and, and I've had guys reach out to me. It's, it's funny, the stories that, that people have, or the connections, or they want to reconnect with dad, or really a pretty healthy group of people. And it's, it's, a, fun, it's a fun atmosphere. I got to believe as you're walking around here, people, unless you've already gotten the story out there, are asking kind of the same questions I'm asking about why you did this. Is that true? All the time. Okay. Uh, I get the looks. I get the, what are you, nuts? It's yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I guess I am. But uh, <laughs> it, it, it's not easy. I mean, it was it was just this time last year that they were starting their courting. So, I mean, I'm at the you know convention last year. I was Barry. I was a Barry University soccer coach. By about a month later, I was I was done. There are some people that don't know I've even moved. There are some people that, where are you? It's like, I just truly talked to somebody before I came and did the podcast. And they didn't know I moved. And they live in Miami. So um, it's just one of those things where it uh, eventually, you know, people will get to know that I'm no longer Barry. But I think I'm proud of the work that we did there. Great staff. I've had great guys. I've got a lot of guys that are in the coaching tree now. That's exciting for me. So I hope to be able to do the same thing now at Wheaton and replicate. Yeah, can you, well, that's, that was my question. Can you put into words your goals and aspirations at Wheaton? Well, Wheaton's really a proud program. I mean, I guess the, 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 looking at it, it's funny. My dad, you know, was at Wheaton when Wheaton was already a, a kind of a strong force back in the 50s. It was already established in some ways. But then he starts the program at Gordon College in Massachusetts. So that's, that was his very first start. Then he goes and picks up at Spring Harbor. And then when he goes to Seattle Pacific... It's like all these programs were new, so it's really Cliff McCrath for the most part. Most part. And when I went to Barry, there wasn't a lot of history either. It was only a, I think it was just starting its 15th year as a program when I started. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, the alumni base and everything, it's all based on me at Barry. Wheaton is different because Wheaton has a foundation where it may not have been as strong as it once was, even though it's been a national power. It's won national championships. As a program, it's been fairly quiet of late and so it was in that way that I, my goals would be to reestablish a connection to Wheaton 
people want to look at Wheaton, the type of players, the type of people that come out of Wheaton. I always said that at Barry, it's like I wanted, I wanted people to know that when you graduate from Barry, they're going to go three things, quality person, quality player, and a quality mindset on how to lead or do whatever it is you need to do. You know, if you're going to be a father, a businessman, husband, you know, all that kind of stuff, husband, that these qualities are always going to be seen in you if you exit from Barry. And I want the same thing to be at Wheaton. And I just don't know that it has that as much. I mean, I know Wheaton has this Harvard mindset that people want a Wheaton college grad. That is, I know that. But as a player, I want people to start looking back to Wheaton going, those are players. And here's what I know I get out of a Wheaton player. And even if they want to go to the pros, coaching-wise, same thing, development of coaches. I mean, I've, I'm rooming right now with a buddy of mine that was one of my assistant coaches. And he's the head coach. He's been there for 10 years at Georgian Court, New Jersey. I've got coaches that have been coaching the Michigan Stars and pros. I've got Chris Rich at UNCG. They had a fabulous year. Ollie Simmons has done awesome, and he's now the new head coach at Jacksonville U. Henry Appaloo has been with Aberdeen, with Atlanta United, and now he's with Philadelphia Union. And those are just the people I'm remembering. There's, there's some that I've, I've obviously skipped out and forgotten, but it's uh, can I help develop people so that they're ready to go and go coach somewhere and, and do the same thing, lead people, lead people in a great way, pour into people so that they feel something different than just a transactional person and I think for the most part most of the people I've ever worked with those guys have all been pretty pretty good about saying look I, I want to be transactional in terms of getting results because that's our business but at the end of the day they would be transformational so I would do the same thing at Wheaton very good that's my goal yeah very good it when I think of Wheaton for some reason I think of Quincy as well is that a rivalry or why why do I think of it's that it's a D2 school okay uh, it is in Illinois but it is a D2 school but yeah the the rivalries you know, you've got Wash U, the, the long history rivalries, but there's also new rivalries because the conference is so strong. You've got North Park, you've got North Central. So those are some really good ones. But there's there's lots of really good history with Wheaton with regards to some of the teams they play. But, yeah, Quincy's a D2 school. And with this move, remind me, Steve, do you have kids as well? I do. I've okay. got one. I have three that all bang, bang, bang it. So we just had a sixth birthday uh, last week for my daughter. Third birthday will be next month for my youngest boy. And then my oldest, he'll turn eight in March. And then my wife, uh, Katie, and she's been she's been awesome. I'll tell you what, for anybody listening, it's just if you get married, you have got to marry someone that absolutely gets it because there's so many times where I have to give up things for her and vice versa. But she has given up a lot because obviously at this point I'm, I'm the breadwinner for our family for the most part right now. But she has been uh, the best teammate. I mean, she's quality so in that regard yeah there's the five of us just all trying to figure it out and how have the kids adjusted in a lot of ways it's good because the they they have never seen snow they're all born in florida and so they've experienced a couple good runs of snow and ironically because we're from the seattle area they were out there for christmas for a little bit and so they actually had a lot of snow they've they had more snow out there <laughs> than they've had in chicago yeah, area, weird weather out there yeah they're getting used to just the normalcy of it you know wearing jackets running out they forget to have jackets because it was usually shorts and sandals, and uh, but the adjustments are okay. Okay. But I think it's just the, I think it's the I think it is the crap. We have to have a bag full of the extras that you just didn't do in Miami. Maybe it was sunscreens and things like that and hats. Now it's big stockings and wear your mittens, gloves, and that all kind of stuff. But my wife's done a great job of that too. She probably went and did some salvaging in so many places and. We've gotten, I think we've got probably $5,000 worth of clothes 
and she probably spent maybe a thousand dollars worth of it for all all of us she's done a great job she's awesome so, so no regrets full steam ahead no no regrets i mean i i think that I think like, you know, Satchel Paige said, if you look back, you know, it might be gaining on you. So it's kind of like the same thing. I, I think it's best just to say I was asked to do a job and I wanted to do it well and I did it well. And I can feel confident saying that without feeling arrogant. Just I did it well and I left it in a really good spot. And now it's the new venture. Because, you know, for them to go to the Final Four this year with basically everybody that we signed, I think out of everybody that was on that team, really one person that was signed was was the one person that I was not involved in everything else was either it was already in the involvement I just you know whether we signed the paper scholarship wise or not that was basically what we left was the team that we had put together before I departed who's to say that if I had led them we would have won the title or never made it mm -hmm. just knowing that the locker was full and so I think with Wheaton it's the same idea it's like look you've asked me to come in and in some aspects rebrand the heart of what Wheaton has been, but what it needs to be today, because today is different than when my dad started coaching and when Joe started coaching. It's just, we all know that. I mean, the stresses are just, they're different. They're different stresses. They're faster stresses. Life was a little slower back then, but they still had their stresses. So it's just uh, being able to deal with that. And it's, yeah. it's an interesting time. And you hear it, the convention's been talking about that a lot, about the psychological part. And I think that People's spirits probably just to encourage it. Like people's spirits, I think they're looking for so much because they want to be fulfilled, they want to be happy, but they don't have a foundation of joy. And I think that's probably the key about what Christ and what the Holy Spirit's all about is that you can play the game and break your leg and you're not happy, but you can still be joyful. It's like I've got great teammates, I'm in a great situation, whatever the case may be. I love the sport. That's a joy. That's a joy thing. And I think being at Wheaton, like the cool part is to be able to be with a bunch of guys that are trying to figure it out. You know, they're not ready-made Christians. I mean, there are a lot of great believers on the team, a lot of great hearts, but they're, still, they're searching too. I've got guys that don't know certain books of the Bible. It's not as if it's a perfected place, but we are perfecting ourselves the best we can so that when they come out, it's like, you know, I've learned something, I've picked up something, and that's what's special about being at Wheaton. And I think that's where my heart is right now, so that's why it's probably a lot easier to not look back. Wow, that's awesome. Thanks so much for, for sharing that. And let's just end it with, and you already touched on it, you're here at the convention and you're learning and growing and it applies to even your move when you think about what the association has meant to your development mm -hmm. as you've made these choices, whether God told you to go or you did it on your own, how has the association helped you? Community. I think that, you know, you get, you get a lot of people that will deal with situations convention convention fees uh, they're just taking your money and in some aspects maybe at the end of it all you look at even doing licensing coaches uh, courses it's not always about what you're drawing out it's almost the unknown of what you might get that you weren't aware of it's it's say when you go you know the bible you know christ had said it's better to give than receive and so you think i'll go do a missions trip well the irony is when you do a missions trip you actually get more you, you think you're giving all this stuff and then you end up realizing, I knew nothing about this community of people. I knew nothing about their situation. And you really get a shock. And then you realize when you go away, if you've ever done a missions trip, you go away realizing, I just took in more than I think I gave out. If, if you are in the right mind, if you're just an arrogant person, then you probably missed the, you missed the boat. But if you really are going with that heart sense, man, you, you're going to feel it. And I think what the convention does and what the coaching courses and the co community of it is, is that you end up having conversations like this. I'm sitting here because I know you, 
and we just had a quick chat, and now here we are. It was not like this has been planned for weeks. Right. And that's the convention. I've met incredible people. My assistant coach, Ollie, who's at Jacksonville, was because of the convention. He was not going to be hired by me. He had no interest in him, but somebody said, hey, you know what? And then I met him, and then we had a chat. Next thing I know, you know, we're eating breakfast and doing a double kind of pseudo interview. And then next thing I know, he kind of vaulted to the top, and then eight months later, we're winning the national championship. So he poured into my life, and that would never have happened if I wouldn't have been in the convention. All right. So I think that the relationships are the things you can't put the value on because they're invaluable. And I think that's what the convention's really quality about. So it's, I think it's even more than the sessions and, and that it's the, it's the connection. It's not just some place to party either for, for a lot of people. It's just it's the connections. Wow, Steve, I really appreciate you sharing your heart and your devotion. It's been powerful. Steve McCrath. Wheaton. What's the nickname at Wheaton? We are the Wheaton Thunder. The Wheaton Thunder. Yep. All right. Thanks for bringing the Thunder and so much more on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Always a pleasure. You got it, man. ACDC Thunderstruck. Can't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, boss. All right, my man. What a visit with Steve McCrath, the son of Cliff, who is a legend in the association. And Steve spreading the gospel, man, and making the move to Wheaton and sharing it with us. Pretty cool. All right. When we return, another man making a move to Wilmington, Dewan Bader. We'll hear his story from Podcast Row as well after these messages. As a soccer coach, you're no stranger to developing your players. But how are you developing your own expertise? As a United Soccer Coaches member, you receive access to a range of resources, like our online learning platform, The Training Ground, to aid in the growth and enhancement of your coaching skills and career. From coaching education courses to lifestyle services, take advantage of new opportunities and member benefits with an annual United Soccer Coaches membership for just $125. Join the home of all coaches today at unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gap's amazing evergreen material with amazing people as part of our coverage at the 2023 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia. And that includes a great friend of mine, Dewan Bader, who's got big news on his future. And always good to see you, Dewan, particularly at the convention. How you doing, my man? I'm doing well. Good to see you as well, Dean. One of the things I like about you is, in fact, I probably like them more than you is your family. Sorry about that, Don. Obviously, I'm just kidding. It's understood. Well, yeah. It's understood. I get it. And you got a family of rock stars. You got three kids that are playing soccer and getting scholarship money. Break down the names and where they are because I love that. Yeah, my oldest, Macy, is at UNC Charlotte. She's currently a sophomore. Keenan and Jasa, my twins. Keenan has committed to play at UNC Greensboro, and Jasa's committed to play at Queens University in Charlotte. So all three will be playing Division One next fall. Super excited about it. My wife, Lita, and I couldn't be happier. That is incredible. And at least it's not too far away with Charlotte and Greensboro. And, and, no, and it's reasonable. I mean, uh, Macy's been in Charlotte now for two years. Keenan was in Charlotte with Charlotte FC for a while, so we've gotten used to making that trip. And it, it's something nice to know about both girls only being 20, 25 minutes apart from one another. And then Keenan an hour down the road, that's that's an easy trip in any any day. And before we find out what you're doing, I do want to have a little bit of fun because they are already trained on how to deal with media. I thought I was on the in crowd, <laughs> but I tried to get the early intel on where they were going, and they're like, you're going to have to wait. Did you teach them that? <laughs> you know, over the years, I think they picked up some things from hanging on the sidelines with the guys like Nick Zimmerman over here to my right and, and then just watching people in interviews. So I did not specifically tell them to do that, but I think they've picked up some things along the way 
All right, I want to remind everybody, Dewan Bader was a great player at NC State. He has been a great coach for a long time with, what was the club that merged with uh, North Carolina? Triangle Football Club. Triangle Football Club. You were one of the founders of that, were you not? I wasn't one of the founders, but they brought me in very early to be one of the directors of coaching. Okay, very good. Thanks for that clarification, which is certainly allowed. We want to have it right. And then you merged, and now North Carolina FC Youth. Before we talk about your next venture, obviously you clearly enjoyed your time at NCFC Youth. Oh, wonderful time with NCFC Youth. I mean, I was, you know, not only with TFC, but then the Carolina Railhawks for nine years with the pro team, 11 years with the U23 team. To come back out of that environment to help the two clubs merge into NCFC and then have a position in with the academy the last four years was a really good reset for me. I thank Gary Butte a lot and John Bradford for bringing me in and actually working with the younger ages was really fun for me to kind of articulate things differently you know you can imagine when you're coming off the sidelines with pros how maybe you say some things but how you say them differently with uh, 13 14 year olds so it's been a really fun experience but uh, quite frankly now it's time for me to get back at the pro level all right, so let's break it down. Tell us what you're doing now because I think you're going to be a beach man, right? You're heading to Wilmington. Well, we're heading that direction for sure. We are, we're still in, in the investment phase. We've had a, a slight shift in our investment deck, if you will. Everything's going really well right now. We're just opening it up to outside investors where before we just had one principal investor who was pretty much going to handle everything. But the plan is to have a USL one team in Wilmington, North Carolina. Hopefully start and kick off in 2024. Start playing at Legion Field where the old Hammerheads used to play. And then hopefully within a few years, segueing into our own stadium with the, we call it our West District Wellness Entertainment and Sports District, which will have food hall, beer garden, apartments, condos, fields for kids and stuff like that. So we got some big plans and, and the, the technical side is all, is really predicated on developing players and moving them to the MLS or, or to Europe. So really looking forward to being a part of it. Can you better explain who we is? The we right now is myself as the sporting director, Chris Mumford as the managing director. Chris Mumford is a professor at UNC Chapel Hill. He's a professor of business innovation. We've added a few other people to the group. At this point, I'm not sure I'm okay to say their names, but we have some people now working on the investment side of things and also a group that has experience working in minor league sports for the last 30 years. So we've taken a lot of different people's experiences and have looked at it. We, we call it our, our Oceans 4 or Oceans 5 instead of our Oceans 11, yeah. where everybody's got kind of their thing that they do really well. So why not put us all together and make sure we accomplish our goals? And I think for you, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, and I don't need to because you're right here, but you want to coach pros. You want to get back in the USL game, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I love coaching at all levels, but I think there is something about coaching at the professional level that changes things and it's little things i also really enjoy moving players along and i think over the years i've been fortunate to work with a lot of u23 players and professional players that have gone on to higher levels and they give me credit for it and they say you know you're one of the better coaches we had to help us get through this so they'd already been with youth coaches so i feel it's a really good niche for me i just you know i feel like that age dynamic and it's getting younger and younger these days where it's going straight to pro you look at my times with the u23 teams and how many quality players came through there but i also think i helped those players from a professional mindset so as much as i love coaching the kids yeah i, I do want to coach pros but i also want to have a bigger hand in getting them to a higher level, meaning Europe and, and other places. I love all that, and that's what you've always been about, helping 
kids reach their dreams, Dewan. It's been, been an important part of your fabric, hasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It is a huge reward. I just literally just ran into like three different former players here in different capacities at the convention, working for MLS, coaching college, like this guy coaching the academy. So uh, that's part of the reward. It's not, it's not just seeing where they go soccer, but it's seeing them after soccer, and they still come up and give you a hug. It means you did something right. Before we say goodbye, how much can you tease us about potential name of the team? You did give some information that your aspirations are for 2024 USL League One. When will we learn more, and maybe how do we follow you? How do we know like what's coming next? Yeah, well, we have a we have our Instagram and Facebook and website up USLToWilmington.com. Okay. So we do have a way to be followed, which everybody would love for them to go on. And there's a way to give your name and information if you're in the Wilmington area or feel like you can help sponsor-wise or interested in investing. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. The hope and desire is that we have the investment group in place and franchise fee in place by April for a 2024 kickoff. You know, it's even for that, it's a little bit late, but it gives us 11 months prep for the front office and, and hiring key front office personnel. Drop dead date is if it's not in place by the end of May, beginning of June, then it's probably a push to 2025. Okay. Um, but that's our desire. And you very conveniently avoided the name, so. <laughs> no, I forgot you asked it. So, yeah, I mean, to be fair, that's something that we're going to leave up to the professionals and okay. going to have somebody come in and do some community surveys. Okay. What I will tell you is we have a very healthy and strong relationship with the Wilmington Hammerhead Youth Club. Okay. What we did notice after a lot of the World Cup viewing parties we had, which, by the way, were, were great and really well attended, the Hammerhead name is very important in Wilmington. Okay. Most of the people Team that have time. an association with the Hammerhead name, it's very positive. I've had former players come up with the Hammerheads and say, you know, my time here in Wilmington was really, really genuine and really a good part of my career, and I associate that with the Hammerheads. So I don't know if we're going to lean that way or not, but I do think to some extent if it's not in the name, we would probably pay homage to it in the logo, something I, I think you'll see a, a Hammerhead influence someplace. Fair enough. Jawan Vader, congratulations on that move. Can't wait. I'm going to hope for 2024 because that means I'll be able to call your games, of course. There'll be some good uh, rivalries with NCFC. That'll be awesome, and it's always awesome to spend time with Dewan Vader. Such a great family, the entire family, outstanding. All right, we'll end the show meeting another member of our 30 Under 30 class. Stay with us as we get to know Chris Daniel after these messages. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform from robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations. League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. You've heard me say it before, I'll say it again. My favorite part of the show is we get to meet another member every week of our great 30 under 30 class a program that's been around now for a long time and when you start to look at what these 30 under 30 members are doing in the game you have to be impressed it's no different today as we meet chris daniel who is in eugene oregon right now right did i get that right are you in eugene right now chris uh yep yep and right now it's it's sunny which is a nice little surprise but we'll take it yeah 
All right, awesome. Well, Chris Daniel, he is currently with a football academy out there. I'll let you say it correctly. What football academy are you working for? Yeah, it's called Pilata Football Academy. Yeah, there's a few different ways to pronounce it, but Pilata. All right. And what is your title with Pilata Football Academy, Chris? I guess right now it would just be like the boys head coach. I have a U15 boys team and a U17 boys team. And our spring seasons are just starting up. So I'm assisting within a U11 and a U16 team as well, all on the boys side. All right. I do know that you played for the University of Oregon men's club team as well as Lane Community College. And I also know that you have a Masters in Sports Recreation Science for Coaching Soccer from my alma mater, Ohio U, as well as the Advanced National Diploma, and then the U.S. Soccer Sea License. So congrats on your dedication to education. So with that kind of as the background, I like to do that Blake Canvas question, Chris. So tell us where you grew up. I think it's the Pacific Northwest area or out, out in that area where you went to high school, where you played club soccer, and what you've done since graduating from college to get to the Pilata Football Academy. Even though it's 30 under 30, I am 30 now. So like that is going to be kind of a big age range since graduating high school. But I'm from Eugene, Oregon, born and raised. I grew up essentially just playing like recreational volunteer coaches, local league type stuff. And then there's a small Catholic high school here, Marist High School, that I attended and did that for four years. And then it's funny how it kind of wrote back into my coaching career, quote unquote, later, because I got to know the coaches on the girls' side when I was a player. So then I played through high school, was like a fairly average kind of player. After I graduated, there's like a local indoor soccer place. They had a little kickers program. So I went and I did that. And that was fun because it's kind of nice to hang out with kids and, and get paid for it. And then that kind of sparked my interest in like, oh, hey, actually, maybe I should take this a step further. Maybe I should try to coach. So when I was at that indoor soccer place, that coach from the girls side of the high school where I went to, he was there and I knew he was coaching. So I said, hey, like, you know, how do I get involved? What do you think I should do? And he said, I have three teams whose spring season is about to start. I need an assistant coach and I'm on my way to Hawaii. He has family in Hawaii and a house there that he needs to go take care of. So he said, come to Hawaii with me for five weeks. I'll train you as a soccer coach. You come back, you coach for me. And like, that was a pretty simple decision. It was like, yeah, of course, <laughs> yeah, why not? I'll, I'll do that. We did that. And that really kind of started my, my coaching. That was in 2012. So that fall, I went to the University of Oregon. And basically for the next four years, I was like a student during the day. I would study for a little bit, make my lesson plan, go out to the field and coach, come back probably do like a little reflection on the coaching session I just had, go study and do more homework. And that was it for four years. It's just coaching in school. And maybe I'm making it sound more grim, grim than it was. It, it was a bunch of fun. It was very busy. And then, yeah, during that time, I, you know, got my, at the time it was the e-license from USSF. Then I got my D-license. We also have like a local semi-pro team. So I was like, hey, you know what, maybe I should like try to make something of myself as a player. So I'd go out in the evenings as well and just train at a, a buddy who I'd go practice with. And we did that, I think, every day for like a year or two on end, like in the rain. And then I never made it to the USL team, to team Lane United FC. I got some trial matches. Like I was super stoked because from, I kind of like recognized, oh, you know, I'm like an average sort of player. But to go out and like play against like the Oregon State University men's team in one of the trial matches where they had good players. That was awesome for me. So then, yeah, I guess I graduated University of Oregon. We had a local community college team. So I went and I was like, oh, you know, I'll go do a season there. 
played a season there, which was super fun. Did some traveling, came back to Eugene, coached more, joined the Ohio University program for uh, sports and recreation science for coaching. Uh, learned a lot, met some really nice people, some really cool leaders in that program. Got my advanced national diploma and then just started applying for 30 under 30. And so I guess in a nutshell, that that brings me to where we are now. If you listen to this show, you know I'm all about names. So I want to know that man who saw something in you that said, hey, come to Hawaii with me for five weeks. We got to <laughs> say his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's Joey Guerra. He has done an awesome job creating Pilata Football Academy. I think a lot of people like say the right things, but he's like somebody who says it and then backs it up consistently with his actions over the years. He's just been a super, obviously very important person in my life. So yeah, shout out to Joey. Yeah. And with that breakdown, Pilata Football Academy a little bit more, is it, do they play in ECNL, GA? I mean, tell, tell me a little bit more about it. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, essentially the, the ethos is, is that maybe the key phrase there is that, is that everybody plays. So we don't make any sort of tryouts or anything like that. Basically, if, if you want to play, whether you've basically never played soccer before or like you want to end up going to that college level, whatever it may be, and, and we'll give you like, you know, high quality coaching and we'll put you in like the right competitive setting for you. So yeah, it's all like local state league stuff. It's grown quite a bit. I think we have basically one team in every age group on the boys and girls side, which is cool to see it grow from those three teams that we had 10 years ago. I like that. I want to tell everybody that it's called Pilata Football Academy and it's spelled P-E-L-A-D-A. And I don't mean to put you on the spot, Chris Daniel, but do you know a website where people can go and learn more about uh, Pilata Football Academy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just PilataFootballAcademy.org. And again, that, that first word is a bit funny, but yeah, P-E-L-A-D-A. All right. And then with that, I normally wait to the end, but are you on social media? Can people follow what you're up to as well? I'm not great at using social media. I've had like a year off where I went and traveled. I started a Twitter, but really I started a Substack, which is way more fun because then you can kind of get more in depth. And so yeah, if you go to Substack, I think I coach Toph, like Chris Stouffer, and that's T-O-P-H. There's also a Twitter under Coach Toph as well. So, yeah. You had mentioned that you're 30 now. You had mentioned that you applied. Did you apply multiple times or did you get in on your first try, Chris? Tell us about how you you know, learned about 30 under 30 and, and your excitement when you got in as well. Tell us the whole story there. You know, obviously, education has, has always been a huge, huge part of my life. So I was aware of United Soccer Coaches and I probably just clicking through their website, found out about the 30 under 30 program. And yeah, I, I applied multiple times. I, I wish I got it my first time, but like, I'm kind of glad I didn't because it did force me to kind of work harder and reevaluate what my application was like. And actually shout out to, gosh, and I don't know her name, but there was somebody who was in the 30 under 30 class, gosh, a year ago or so. And I was listening to this podcast and she said she had applied three times and didn't get it. And I think that's where I was. And that like made me feel better. I was like, oh, you know what, Chris, like this happens, man. Just got to stick with this. So that, that was, that was helpful for me. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm glad you heard that. And, you know, speaking of your application, Sarah Wilbur, who now heads up the 30 under 30 program, and I'm so grateful for her and all the work she does to, you know, even set up this interview. She told me that you did your application via video, and she actually said it might be the best application she's seen. Tell me about your decision to make it video and since she said that, what do you think made it so great, Chris? And, you know, I, I know it's a matter of, you know, talking about yourself, but, you know, you're allowed to brag about yourself a little bit. I heard it was pretty cool. Thank you. That's nice. I guess thanks to Sarah as well. 
Yeah, that is a compliment because talking to the other 30 under 30 members at the convention, obviously there's very good coaches. So I'm sure they had outstanding applications as well. So that is that is very nice. Yeah, I probably did a video for the same reason other people did is obviously I like writing. I feel like I can communicate through words pretty well, but there's something just more powerful and you can say more with images, especially if you have like voice over it and you can you can add all these different sort of graphics and whatnot. So it's just more kind of components to work with. So you can tell a bit more of a deeper and engaging story. You're not so confined. At least that's that's how I viewed it. And my other applications were written. And so part of it was like, hey, this is my last chance. Let's try something new. And <laughs> uh, I worked hard on it. And obviously it came out the way I wanted. So I'm grateful for that. So who was the first call or email when you learned you got in? Who did you notify, Chris? I tend to keep my cards pretty close to the chest, but I was in this very kind of remote place in Mexico and I checked my phone and I got the email and it just had the subject of congratulations. And I was like, okay, what, you know, is this what I think it is? Blah, blah, blah. So, <laughs> and then I had to like stare at my phone for like three minutes waiting for it to load so slowly just because I was in an isolated spot. But my girlfriend was there next to me. And so when the email finally popped up, I like stood up and she looked up and she's like, what's, what's going on, Chris? And I was like, hey, like I did it. This, this is awesome. Like this is so she was obviously the first person I know. We were with her kind of great aunt and uncle. And and she told them because I was like, you know, kind of like shy. I don't really want to just brag that out there. And then I think probably the next day I texted my dad and my brothers and my mom was like, hey, you know, this is what I've been working towards. I, I finally got it. I'm I'm stoked about it. Awesome. We're here with Chris Daniel, our 30 under 30 member. I know that you were in Philadelphia at the convention. You were there on Friday night when I have the great opportunity of co-hosting that with Dr. Ray Sieplik. Uh, what did you enjoy most about this year's convention in Philadelphia, Chris? The thing I enjoyed the most, and I'm sure this is the answer that most 30 under 30 people give you, but it, it was nice meeting the other people in this program. Obviously, the people who put it on, like Sarah Wilbur, it's fun kind of you know, putting a, a face to the name, so to speak, and then just meeting everybody else in this little cohort. It's just fun meeting new people and, and seeing sessions. It was a blast. All right. You knew this one was coming because we had talked uh, even before you came on the air, and that is that tough crystal ball question. And I feel like you're going to tell me you're just going to roll with it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Have you thought about where you want to be in 15 years, my man? Not so much from a career perspective. I've always kind of viewed coaching just as something I, I want to get better at not necessarily like, you know, a, a career, so to speak. So yeah, I don't have a, a solid answer on that. When I think 15 years, obviously, you know, I like to get married, have kids, buy a house, and it would be great if coaching, if I could, you know, contribute to financing that with coaching and ideally coaching one team where my attention's not split up over a bunch of different groups, uh, you know, where they play, you know, one game a week or, you know, multiple games a week, if it's like spaced out appropriately and good for the athletes' bodies. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess that's like as specific as I can make it. Keep coaching, kind of lay some roots down. And what's nice is that like that's totally achievable. It's like a dream I can do and like I'm willing to work however hard I need to to, to make it happen. I like that answer. You know, I always wanted to be a broadcaster, but I also wanted to be a husband and a dad, which reminds me, you know, the first Horrible Bosses movie, which probably dates me. I don't know if you saw it, but Jason Sudeikis and Justin Bateman were in it. And the other guy, I can't remember, but uh, he he's a pretty cool dude. And his comment was, what did you want to be when you grow up? He said he wanted to be a husband. You know, I mean, and I respect that answer, you know, because there's something cool about wanting to be a husband and a father, right? Yeah, family's super important. The relationships are, are key to life. So, yeah. 
Well, we certainly consider the United Soccer Coaches a family. When you hear those three words, what do they mean to Chris Daniel, now a member of the 30 Under 30 class? Yeah, I think the name is pretty self-explanatory. I think it does. I mean, it's really just a community of coaches. And it's funny going to the convention. You know, you hear soccer coaches and every kind of coaches in their own little realm. So an image comes up of what it is. But it's just so broad, especially in the U.S., where you have youth levels and all the different levels of it. You have you know, the collegiate level, you have special Olympics and top soccer, like soccer coaches is just, there's so many different varieties it comes in. And I think United Soccer Coaches does a good job of creating a cohesive community with all these different experiences. And it's, and you can go and you can like learn from each other and, you know, share each other's experiences and kind of affirm each other's successes. It's, yeah, it's just, it's a great, healthy little community. Few rapid fire questions as we wrap up our time with Chris Daniel on this week's edition of our 30 under 30 spotlight with Chris Daniel. Chris Daniel, who's your favorite soccer team and soccer player, either past or present? Who comes to mind? Oh man, that's that's funny. You get asked this question a lot. I the the answer would probably be either Pilata FA Joga, which is my U17 boys, mm -hmm. or Pilata FA Libertas, which are my U15 boys. So it's a seasonal answer, but that's the best answer I can give because it's true. I love that your favorite team is right there in your heart and people that you work with. It's not Man City, it's not Man U, it's not the Seattle Sounders. I, that is a great answer indeed. And all right, what is something about you, Chris Daniel, that maybe we wouldn't know from that incredible video that you did that's unrelated to soccer, but just something that's kind of cool about you that uh, you want to you want to share with us, sir? I kind of fell into history this past year or two. So I'm a bit of a reader and I've been reading just a bunch of biographies of like presidents and historical figures and leaders and whatnot. So yeah, I, I read. I read a bunch and I write a bunch. So maybe, maybe that's what it is. What book are you reading right now and how's it going? I'm not really good at reading one book at a time. I have Pete Carroll's <laughs> win, win forever book, which I'm reading right now, which is, which is interesting, has some cool insights into it. Uh, I'm reading a book about chess strategy. Uh, just not that it's like light reading, but it's kind of interesting to draw parallels between that and, and coaching soccer. I'm reading a biography about Arsene Wenger right now. That's that's also happening. And then I just picked up the the Perfect Storm, which is about that ship in the ocean. So I I don't know. Just I just kind of pick up a book depending on my mood. I like that variety, and I like you mentioned Pete Carroll. I hosted the Vision of a Champion podcast with Anson Dorrance, and Anson Dorrance tells the story about how Pete Carroll found him at an event and came up and said, "Your book, Vision of a Champion, inspired me to write." my book which is pretty amazing as both of those coaches are in their 70s and still doing great things so is pete's book pretty good you like it yeah yeah, yeah. It, it is and it i mean just to me a few days ago part of that book talked about his time with anson dorrance and what he learned from the unc program so it's yeah it's funny you bring that up yeah all right awesome all right chris daniel it's uh, been a pleasure getting to know you congratulations on being a member of the 30 under 30 class. You kind of already dropped in your, your social media. Uh, and by the way, I, I salute the fact that, uh, you know, you don't go down that rabbit hole of, of social media and you just be you and uh, really a pleasure to get to know you. Glad that you were in Philadelphia and hope to meet you in person that uh, maybe you'll be in Anaheim because we're headed out to headed out to you. Will you be in Anaheim? Oh, definitely. Yeah. West coast got to represent. Yeah. All right. Do me a favor. Come by podcast row, please in Anaheim and say hello. Will you make me that promise? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right here, right now. I promise. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Chris Daniel, a great member of our 30 under 30 class. This has been another great show, including our visit with Chris Daniel. I want to thank Sarah Wilbur, Bailey Conklin, Brandon Milburn, and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. I want to thank my producer, 
Colin Thrash for each and every one of them and all of you. I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.